Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. softball tournament and the monies and if you're wishing to donate although you're not playing uh, you can see my wife with any questions or concerns amen about that and there's a practice that's scheduled for Friday night on 4th street at what time 6 o'clock so if you want to be a part of that practice show up there they'll do something for you with you amen John 6 verse number 24 <clears throat> When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came, that's kind of neat, took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Remember what has happened in this chapter chapter thus far, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walked on the water and basically they went back to where Jesus was the day before, thought that he might be there because he didn't go with the disciples over on the ship they knew that he was still in that area but they come to find out jesus is over there how did he get there going on with verse 25 and when they had found him on the other side of the sea they said unto him rabbi when camest thou hither here they are just a little confused jesus answered them and said verily verily i say unto you i love this is so classic jesus Someone answer, ask a question, and he doesn't answer that question. This is classic Jesus. I love it. Amen. And, and Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Amen. My title is a little peculiar tonight, but tonight I want to talk to you about between the do's and the between the does and the do is the who. Sounds like a Sam I am thing, but between the does and the do is the who. And I take that from this category is because it seems as though these disciples, this multitude was interested in what, not necessarily who Jesus was, but what he does, all right? And then they're asking the question, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? Well, between the does and the do is the real important matter, the who, and that is who he was. And that's what he was constantly trying to get people, and the Gospel of John is about trying to get people to realize who he was. Amen. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I pray, O oh Lord, this evening that you're able to help us, God, in the next little while. So we look at the word of the Lord. God, bring our minds together, our attention, Lord, to be set upon your word. I pray, O oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord, this evening. God, the scripture says that we are begotten by the gospel. We're begotten by this word. And so there is a great importance, Lord God, for the proclaiming, the teaching, the preaching, God, of it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 
you may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Again, I must remind you this evening that uh, Jesus has just recently fed 5,000, the Bible says in the Harmony of the Gospels, 5,000 men, not even including women and children. So we're talking about a grand number. He has fed them with loaves and with fishes, and he has sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum, and the multitude knows, again, that Jesus did not leave with the disciples. As a matter of fact, Jesus stayed there to disperse the multitude, and then he went up into a mountain himself uh, alone to pray. And so the next day when they come to uh, where Jesus had dispersed everyone, Jesus is nowhere to be found. It's as though they are seeking for Jesus. The Bible says very plainly, that whenever they could not find Jesus there on that shore, that they went shipping as well and came to Capernaum seeking again. You'll notice it in verse 24, seeking for Jesus. And they asked Jesus, basically this, I'll just say it in modern day terms, when did you come here? You know, when did you get here? Or maybe even better yet, how did you get here? And he gives them a classic Jesus answer again, which I love, not answering necessarily the question, but really answering the unspoken, answering their heart desire. See, the Lord all the time answered questions that was never spoken because he knew the hearts of men. And he probably takes them a little bit off guard whenever he begins to answering things they never spoke with their lips. But he begins to answer the unspoken, the desire of their heart. Because Jesus basically said this to the multitude. He basically told them that they were not seeking him because they saw the miracles. Now remember from our past lessons the, the lame, walking, blind eyes being opened according to Isaiah 35, all of those things should have been nothing more but an indication that Israel's God has showed up. Remember? Because he told him in, in Isaiah 35, he said, your God shall come, your God shall do this, and the way you're going to know it is the, 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 the one that can't walk is going to be able to, the blind eyes are going to be open. Through that, you'll know that your God has come. And so Jesus is doing all these miracles, and he says, you, you're, not, you're not seeking me because you saw the miracles which indicated that your God had come. In other words, you've not put these things together. You're not seeking me because you realize that I'm God in the flesh. That's not the reason why you're here. He says, but you sought me for what you could get from me. You have sought me for what you could get out of me. You're not here because of the miracles. You're here because you ate the loaves. You're here because you ate the loaves and you were filled unto your heart's content. And so you're not really here because, because of me personally. You're here about what you can get from me. You're here because of that. You're, you're not here on the opposite side of the shore now because you are in awe of who I am. 
Or, or, or you, you just wonder at the majesty of who I am. No, you're here because of the loaves and the fishes. And yet all the miracles again, John even reiterates this through the gospel time and time again. All the miracles of the scripture, the seven different major ones that he shares with us in his gospel were to be witnesses testifying that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He was that word made flesh. All of these miracles were testifying to that. That's the reason why back in John chapter 3, we see that Nicodemus, having a little bit of understanding, speaks to Jesus and says, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And he almost had it totally right. It was really God was in him. All right, type of matter. And so we start this chapter, even chapter number 6, out with this great multitude following Jesus because of his miracles, which he did, the Bible says. In John 6 and verse 2, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And so with the miracles, they saw what Jesus did rather than who he was. They were more captivated by the deed. They were more captivated by the action than they was this man. And so in reality, though, they missed it because the purpose of the miracle was to reveal who Jesus was. They missed it. They're, they're, they're pulling close the bread to their mouth, you know, because their belly's hungry. But what they should have been pulling close to their bosom was the man that produced the bread. Amen. Amen. And so here they are. They're in this particular point. They see the miracles. They're, they're, they, they are seeing what he does, but they're not necessarily computing in their heads and minds really who he is. And so they miss the point. And the point is this, that what Jesus does is inseparably linked and tied to who he is. It's tied to who he is. And here's the fact of the matter, folks. There's many that fall prey to the very same mistake yet today. They seek Jesus. Hmm? They seek Jesus like they would seek for a genie in a bottle. When I find it, I'm going to get my three wishes. Because I know the genie can grant it. When I find him, rub the Bible, he'll pop out and he'll give me my three wishes. How can the genie, I know this is all fictional, but how can a genie give three wishes? Because he's a genie. <laughs> in other words, what I'm saying tonight is this, still yet in today's modern world, church world, whatever you want to talk about it, people are looking to the Lord for healing, what he does. Deliverance, what he does. Encouragement, what he does. Blessing, what he does. And the list could go on and on as you fill in the blank. But how can those things, these things come from him? Because he is the gracious, glorious God. And so rather than running after what he does in his actions, we need to be grasping a hold of him. People sometimes live their relationships with the Lord primarily just based upon what he has done rather than who he is. And that's a very impersonal relationship. If you only have a relationship whenever the giving is coming and the blessing is flowing and the deliverance is administrated, that's a very impersonal and superficial relationship. 
Amen. But we need to grab on to the one. Amen. That's behind the blessing, behind the encouragement, behind the abilities. Because God wants us, if we can, to follow, and we can. He wants us to follow that trail of his abilities and that trail of his deeds and that trail of his actions to the reality of who he is. He wants us as a church, as a people, to be captured by that fact more than anything else. Amen. Because the old timers used to say it like this, if he never does a single thing for me again, I'm still going to serve him. You know what they were getting at, Sister Malin? This relationship isn't based upon his actions. This relationship is not based upon his deeds. This relationship is based upon who he is. And if he never lifts another finger, if he don't heal my body ever again, if nothing flows to me again, based upon just who he is. That is the wonder of a true relationship with God. Being in awe and wonder of who he is. Whenever Jesus spoke back in John 4, whenever Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, he told her, the Father seeketh true worshipers, right? True worshipers. To worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus did not say, the Father seeketh true praisers, he said, true worshipers. And we've done this before, but let's walk the aisle again. He didn't say two praisers, but true worshipers. Because there is a vast difference between praise and worship. Praise is a response to what God has done for you. But worship is a response to who God is. Aside from anything else. Mm-hmm. When we worship the Lord, we're in awe and wonder just of God. He's love. He's holy. He's righteous. Huh? He's the judge of all the earth. Just who he is. But whenever we praise, we're praising in response to something that he has done for us. I, I, I praise him because he, he has given me uh, this house to live over on Fickland Street. I praise him for my job. I praise him for his kindness to help me beat my financial obligations. I praise him for healing me. I praise him for touching me. I praise him for him helping my family. And all those things that I just mentioned have to do with matter and they have to do with time. But worship transcends matter and worship transcends time because worship deals with the things that don't ever change. Worship lifts you to a level that deals with nothing else but God, amen, and God is on record, Jesus Christ was on record, we looked at all this this past Sunday, they do not change, God manifests in the flesh, God just as spirit, they do not change, and so here's the thing, worship is provoked then by something eternal, God, while praise may very easily be expressed over something temporal, house, health, right, something temporal, but worship is tethered to something eternal. That's the reason why we read a little further here in John chapter number 6. And he's talking to them about these lows that they're really coming to him 
for. It's not him himself, but his deeds and his actions. He tells him in verse 27, he's basically telling him, don't labor. Don't labor for meat that's going to perish. Don't labor for bread that's going to perish. In other words, yeah, these loaves may help you uh, with your literal life here upon this planet. He said, but loaves are going to perish. They are going to wane away. He said, what you all need is not to invest or, or long for that which perishes. You need something that's going to give you everlasting life beyond this planet. Amen. Amen. But here's the fact of the matter of the culture and day of this time, Rome being there and the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had conditioned the people of this society and time. It had conditioned them to seek the temporal. And here's the reason why. The Roman Empire uh, and, and other, other uh, politicians of Rome kept the Roman people pacified, whoever they were, by giving them free food. I know this sounds maybe, but this is the culture of their day. Rome kept the people pacified by giving them free food, especially, and I'm not trying to get political here, but especially through the politician type side of Rome and the government of Rome, if they wanted people to kind of, you know, side with them, then if you give them free food, maybe they'll have sway, you know, in the governing bodies. So by doing that, it had conditioned that society, right, to long for and seek for the temple. Amen. To seek for the temporal. But Jesus is telling them, saying, don't, don't, don't be conditioned by your world. Don't be conditioned by your society. He says, because you need, you need to desire and long for the, the son of man. He's going to satisfy you with himself because there's everlasting life through his death and his burial and his resurrection. Amen. You need to concentrate upon him. And so when we look back at praise and worship again, worship is tied to the eternal. Worship is always the result of revelation. Worship is born of a relationship of a encounter. In other words, you can look throughout the Bible and you can see many times what happened when somebody encountered God. The Bible says that they would worship or they would fall down on their face. They would bow. Amen. Which is different from praise. It's about an encounter. Worship is. In Exodus 33, when the people saw the cloudy pillar at the tabernacle door, the Bible says every man worshiped. They had an encounter. Nothing per se done for them, but they had an encounter. And they worshiped. The Bible says that Moses made haste and bowed his head and worshiped when the Lord passed by before him. The Lord's passing by. Moses is like, oh. he's in awe of who he was. Second Chronicles 7, I think we have this verse in verse number 3. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house. They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped. Amen. Because of who he is. Can I tell you tonight that the more we acquaint ourselves with him and the more that we know him, we will worship him. Everybody can praise the Lord because God has done something to some degree for every one. But only those who truly know him can worship him. 
Amen. Jesus wanted the people to know, even in John, that if you know him, if you truly seek him, if as he told the Samaritan woman in John 4 that the Father seeks for true worshipers, if the Father is seeking for true worshipers, then he's seeking for those who are seeking him. Not his deeds. Not his rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. He's looking for people that's looking for him. Not the miracle, not the loaves, not the fishes, just simply him. Amen. I love it on the Mount of Transfiguration when the three inner disciples, the Lord took up there with him, Peter, James, and John. And they're there, and there's the great voice from heaven, and, and the Lord's uh, vesture was changed wider than any fuller could change. And Elijah and Moses show up, and they're having conversation. And, man, all of this happened. The Bible says, I believe it was, that Peter that finally raised his head when it was all said and done. And everything was God, gone save Jesus only. There was no more flickering. There was no more widening of the garment. There was not the visitation of Moses. All of that was gone. There was just one thing left, Jesus only. But Jesus only was Jesus enough. Amen. It, yes, it is Jesus enough. Because here's the fact of the matter. As long as you have Jesus, you always have a path then to a miracle. As long as you have Jesus, you always have a path to financial blessing. As long as you have Jesus, you always have a path to healing. But if you just get the peripheral of what he produces rather than the producer. Amen. The Bible says, and look at this. And we'll walk here. John 6, verse 28 and 29. I want to read again. And uh, matter of fact, this was kind of wandering through my head the other night. And I was laying in bed just last night. I looked over at my wife and I couldn't remember something for her crying out loud. It seemed like I heard something. Uh, she watches sometimes this Judge Judy and Judge Million and all this stuff, and I hear court cases in the background. And I remember something said, and I couldn't remember. And so, uh, and I think, though, we came, we rethought what it was that was said. Because this is months ago now. My brain just kicks it. It goes back into the recesses and pulls something from months ago. And whenever it happened, I told her then, I said, I should have wrote it down. Because for me, if it's not written down, it's gone. But let me read the verses of Scripture, and then I'll, I'll, I'll convey what I'm talking about. Verses 28, again. Then said they unto him. So this is after him speaking to them, but they don't need the thing that perish, but the thing that doesn't perish. Right? Because here's the fact, man, right, Brother Gregory? Everything in this life is perishable. Everything in this human life, where we spend 70 or 80 years, of, it's all perishable. Right? So I want, I want to labor or hunger for the imperishable. Right? Because all this, this is all going to go away. It's all going to go away. It's not, it's not going to be here. It's going to be dissolved. It's going to be gone. Amen. But this is what he says. Then said they unto him. So we're, we're supposed to be going after the imperishable. They said to him, what shall we do? That we might work the works of God. Just say this for me. Someone say compliance. Verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work. 
And it's interesting. They asked about the works, plural of God. He said, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Someone say conformity. Those were the two things that I remembered the judge saying. She was talking to whoever it was, plaintiff or whoever the defendant, I don't know. And she said, sir, ma'am, there is a difference between compliance and conformity. We use these words in our everyday language. Sometimes uh, we use them almost synonymously as though one is exactly the other. But there are some subtle differences between compliance and conformity. Everybody okay? Just walk with me right here, okay? Compliance is defined... Listen, as the act or process of adhering to and fulfilling a given order or command. An individual carries out the order with the foreknowledge of the consequences if they refuse to fulfill the order. Conformity, on the other hand, is simply defined as harmonization between a person's behavior and the standards of a particular group or person. A person conforms when he or she seeks to adopt the same behavior, the same beliefs, attitudes, practices of those in the group or of the person. It goes even further and says it can also refer to a situation in which things or people correspond in nature and appearance. Conformity. They have the same nature as the others. They take on the same appearance as the others. Conformity, baseline, Sister Rhonda, is this, is a choice. Now, whenever I read verse 28 of John 28, or John 6, verse 28 of John 6, and he said, and they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? They're wanting to know the list. They're wanting to know what do we do? How can we fall in compliance? How can we comply? And so whenever I read that, it makes me think, Brother Malone, about the, the ruler in the scripture who came to the Lord and, and was asking him, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. In other words, just tell me the things to do. Just tell me the list. I'll comply because I know what the consequences are for not complying. I'll comply and I'll just follow through and I'll keep them. I'll inherit eternal life. Avoid the consequences for not doing it. I'll fall into compliance and I will comply. Bible says, and I'm going to walk through this a little bit in Luke 18 that tells of that story of the ruler. Luke 18 and verse 18, the Bible says, and a certain ruler asked him saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, listen right here. We misunderstand or the ruler misunderstood, misunderstands the Lord. And we misunderstand the Lord and eternal life for that matter when we think it is something that we obtain by complying to a list of do's and don'ts. Listen to me right now. We've missed it. As Christians, as apostolics, if we think that the Lord and eternal life is just secured by keeping and complying to list of do's and don'ts, of commands and statutes and judgments... Hmm. Because 
to comply alone is something very impersonal. You don't have to have no affection for what you're complying to. You don't have to have any agreement for what you're complying There's people that comply to things that don't agree with it. They just do it because they see it as the law. Boy. And so we misunderstand eternal life in this. Look at verse number 19 then. Amen. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one. That is God. Now here it is. See, the ruler, Sister Rhonda, is looking for the do's and the don'ts. What do we do? But Jesus is trying to point him to not the do, but the who. You call me good master. He says, none's good though, but God. But he called Jesus good. What's Jesus trying to piece together there? I am God. Hallelujah. None's good except God. You call me good. I am God manifested in the flesh. The man, again, he's looking for the to-do list. Oh, we should do this, shouldn't do that. But Jesus was trying to give him the who list. (laughs) Amen. And we're not talking about Dr. Seuss right here. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, eternal life is not a soul attachment to an impersonal list of do's and don'ts. Eternal life, listen to me, Brother Gregory. Eternal life is connected to a personal experience of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, and someone said, oh, my God, he's throwing out. Amen. The commands, just walk with me. Verse number 20 of Luke 18. Thou knowest the commandments. This is Jesus speaking back to the man. I'm going to give him what he's looking for. He's wanting to to do this. Here we go. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, the ruler said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Checkbox, checkbox. Compliance, compliance, compliance. Verse 22, now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And don't miss this. And come follow me. So Jesus gives him the to-do list, right? All the commandments you know, here they are. Don't do this. Don't do that. Here's here's the to-do list you're looking for. And upon hearing the list, the ruler no doubt thinks, man, I've done all of these from my youth up. I have complied, right? I've complied. I've avoided the consequences, right, of not doing these things. And then Jesus tells him, boom, shot to the heart. You lack something. But more importantly, he tells him, come. Follow me. Let me say tonight this. There is something in quote unquote lacking that tells me compliance will never get eternal life accomplished for your life. What are you saying? Because he gave him the list and he says, I complied to all that. But he says, but you're still lacking. Your compliance doesn't achieve the eternal life. You're still lacking something. Compliance will never achieve eternal life. 
making sure you got that right from the command and that right from the statue of God, that right from the judgment of God. It will never, never achieve eternal life. Amen. Without doing what the Lord wanted him to do, without following the Lord and honing a personal experience with God, I believe an individual that's trying to live by compliance in the list will always lack always lack. Now look now, I'm going to read this from the Amplified as well. And I'm not leaving you out there. We're not talk, done talking yet because we got to talk about conformity. Hmm? John 6 and verse 28 Amplified and 29 Amplified. I think this was the classic. I hope wherever you are, I think it's the classic. We'll see if we got it. Then they then, they then said, what are we to do? That we may habitually be working for the works of God. What are we to do to carry out what God requires? See, the to-do list. Tell me. I've had people even at times almost allude to that. Just tell me what we, I need to do. You know, and it's almost like I'll put it on my refrigerator and I'll achieve. Verse 29, Jesus replied, this is the work service that God asks of you that you believe in the one whom he has sent that you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. They asked about the works of God. Jesus comes and says, here's the work of God. The work of God is belief. And if you'll remember from the very beginning of this, believing all throughout the gospel of John speaks of more than just faith. Belief, when you see believing or belief in the gospel of John, it's talking about more than just faith, but trust and a commitment. Belief in John is joined with obedience. All right? Obedience to Christ. And so those, listen very carefully, back to conformity, those that conform, listen to me, people smarter than me in our real world, People that conform tend to be obedient. People that conform also as a byproduct seem to be compliant. Amen. In other words, their obedience and their compliance are based on a relationship of having conformed, having believed that that is true and just not something I do. To satisfy a box on a checklist. I don't know if I'm getting myself conveyed enough here this evening. Amen. But it's based upon relationship. The English word for conform. The English word conform is only used twice in the whole Bible. And both times it's used in the book of Romans. In one instance, the word conformed is used by telling us what we are not to be conformed to. And the other instance where it is used, it's telling us that we are conformed as a result of being a part of a quote-unquote group which is the church. Someone say amen. Relationship. Romans 12 and verse number two. Be and be not conformed to this world. Right? But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's consider this again just in good old English definition. Be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't allow your behavior and standards to harmonize with the world. Yes. 
If I go back to the definition of conformity, a person conforms when he or she seeks to adopt. In other words, don't adopt the same behavior as the world. Don't adopt the same belief as the world. Don't adopt the same attitude as the world. Don't practice the same practices as the world. Huh? Don't correspond in nature, in appearance. I'm going off the definition to the world. That's what it says. Then we go on down just a little further, and it says in Romans 8 and verse 29, the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, and the whom is referring to a group, namely the church, the whom is the church, whom he did foreknow, because he knew the church before the church ever came into existence. He had knowledge of the church. We look at this in Ephesians as well. It, the church is spoken of as the us in Christ. That's what the church is. It's a grouping of people. He also did predestinate. Now understand, he didn't predestinate a person. He predestinated the church. And so if you're a part of the church, your destiny is in alignment with where it needs to be. Right? Because when he comes back, he's coming back for a church who have made herself ready without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Amen. So he has her footsteps. Look, he also did predestinate the whom, the church, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So in order, listen to me. I know we're wading through some waters here, but I hope you're tracking with me. In order to conform, a person must attribute someone, this is what they say, in order to conform, that person that's going to conform must attribute some person that's a part of the group as having the legitimacy and credibility to lead or influence the group's behavior. In other words, in order for me to conform to a group of, I don't know, motorcycle riders, I got to believe there's a legitimate and credible leader of them. Amen. There's got to be a credible, legitimate leader. Because without a leader, <laughs> conformity toward the group's goals would not be very prevalent because nobody is leading the charge. But when you talk about the church and we consider the credibility or the legitimacy of a leader, we are the body, but there's a head of this body. That Corinthians and Colossians tells us is Jesus Christ himself. So if we conform to the church, and I'm not talking the first apostolic church, I'm talking about the church. If we conform to the church's behaviors and the church's standards, it's because the church is the body of Christ and he's the head of this church. And if you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the gift of the Holy Ghost or the gift of the Spirit, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body or group of people. Our conformity then is to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ, because he is the leader of the group. Someone say amen. Now we got to watch this again. Conformity employs choice. When I conform, it's because I choose to adopt their beliefs. I choose to adopt their ways. I choose to adopt their practices. Quite different from compliance. I do it because they require it, and I do it, but I don't agree with it. There's a big difference. The Lord doesn't want somebody to stand before him in the last days and say, God, I did everything. 
something I did, but I don't agree with you. I don't agree with your word. I don't agree with what you've asked. I don't agree with any of it, but I kept it. Because you have no relationship with him with just keeping a list that you have no bearing of agreement on. But with you being conformed to him and to his image, you say, I did that because I believe just like he does. I follow that because that's the path I follow. I have that. That's my conviction just as much as it is his. You understand? That's what he was trying to get people from. Between the does and the do, the who. The relationship. By our choice, because of relationship with God, we adopt the same behaviors as him. The same beliefs as him. Same attitudes, practices, nature, appearances as he and the church, which is Christ's body. Conformity. Don't be conformed to the world. Be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And the son, Jesus Christ, the church is the body of him. Amen. Is everybody doing okay? I know it was like twice or three times around the barn in order to get into the door, but, you know. There's people all across this world. Churches I even used to preach in that are frustrating themselves with trying to live an impersonal life of compliance in order to escape eternal consequences. But it don't work that way because there will always be something lacking. It's always something lacking. And so the secret is not in the do. The secret is in the who. That same person that's trying to keep a list will come intoxicated and enamored with the Lord. They would be conformed. They would adopt the beliefs. They would adopt the dogmas and the doctrines and the judgments and the commandments and the statutes. They would adopt them. They wouldn't be the Lord's. They would be theirs. What do we do? You know, we got a pool in our backyard. Whenever it was time to install that pool, I went up to uh, our, our city hall. Or actually, I think I looked online the municipal code to see what the requirements was for having a pool of our size and height in the backyard. It was supposed to have a fence around it because of its size. Already had a fence. So, Brother Fred, I was in compliance. Just on a very personal level, level, I agree with the concept of having a fence around a pool of that size. But even if I didn't agree, if I wanted a pool in the backyard, I'd had to comply. Amen. But I have the idea that I could probably adopt that as my own belief and conform because I have too small. At that time, I had younger kids, too, and I don't want them crawling into anywhere of somebody else's backyard with a pool that didn't have a fence. And so I adopt. So there I have conform I have I have conformity because I adopt the same beliefs. It's not just their belief, it's my belief. People struggle sometimes in relationship with God because his judgment statutes, all these things have not become theirs. They are his and they're just on their list. 
for compliance. If we get intoxicated with the Lord, I dare to say how it happens. We, we, we become conformed to his image, conformed to the church, conformed to his people. We comply and obey as a result of conformity. Conformed people believe, and so they obey as a result of their conformity. Conformed people are not adhering to a command, Sister Sheila, as it may seem. They're adopting a belief, a behavior, and a nature, and a practice as their own. Amen. There were things as a kid growing up that I complied to for mom and dad. After I become a parent, my compliance moved to conformity. Adopted those practices and things, agreement with them. And yes, there was still the compliance, but the compliance was an outgrowth of my conformity. Because now it was mine. It belonged to me. An old song Sister Penrod used to sing. Mom and Dad here, they would enjoy this, but they'll hear it online. The old song used to be, to be like this. It had two, two, and I never really seen this other little uh, course part of it. But it was to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask to be like him. I don't guess I ever knew this other little course as well next to it that goes with it. To be like Jesus. Sounds real familiar. Don't you? To be like Jesus. All I ask to be like him. Not in a measure, but in its fullness. All I ask. Woo! Is to be like him. Is everybody okay? Give me just another minute or two and I'll, we'll wrap this thing up, put a bow on it. In compliance... The person requesting the performance of the task is not necessarily trying to change the other's beliefs. It's just a you do or don't. They're not trying to influence your belief about whether you think it's valid or not. It's just you do or don't. Amen. The person requiring that just simply needs the task to be performed. You don't necessarily have to believe in it. It just needs to be performed. And that's another area then that sets compliance aside from conformity. Because the central aspect of conformity is that the person being influenced by the group changes his or her attitude and his or her beliefs. Well, when you look at compliance... It's just the achievement of a task. But in conformity, it's a change of a life. You can stand with me tonight. I'll tell you this. As a pastor, God is more interested in a changed life than he is an item marked off the list. Amen. Because a changed life envelops relationship a change life focuses on the who but just marking items off the list that's what do we do just tell me what we do it's like the other one in the other place of the story lord who's my neighbor and so he goes through the the story of the good samaritan story right 
the priest, a Levite. Just, just tell me who my neighbor is and I'll, I'll love him. In other words, draw the line in the sand because I only want to go as far as I need to go. I don't want to have to go any further. I just want to meet the requirement. Oh, lo and behold, if I would do something extra. But conformity says it doesn't matter. I'll do whatever's expected. And I find myself going above and beyond because I just adopt him. And I love him. And I'm in awe of him and in wonder of him. You'll be, you'll be apt to obey, apt to comply when you're caught up in who, who the Lord is. A desire to be just like him. It'd be desired just to be just, just like him. Whew. Remember in the scripture that when things are said and done and those that stood before the Lord, what he would say to some was, depart from me. What are the next words? I never. What is that? It's not a list. That's relationship. That's really, we cast out devils in your name. Checkbox. We, we, we did this. We did that. He said, I never, I never. He said, you were trying to comply and I wanted you to conform. Between the does and the do is the who. Let's pray right now tonight. Father, I come to you tonight, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, for the gospel. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.